Baseball Theory Edition. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I'm Jeff. I'm Tom. I'm Kim. And this is the Three Old Reds Fans Podcast coming to you from Studio 82. Down the street from our good friends at Beans in the heart of Cedarville, the famous birthplace and final resting place of Reds pitching legend Bumpus Jones. Now, if you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app or website or Spotify, thanks for being one of the most loyal Reds fans ever. And we are back up to a five-star rating on the iTunes Apple Podcast app. Bet you didn't know that, did you? I think that's because all three of us went out and gave ourselves no, ratings. We've got, we no, were sabotaged. We, we were sabotaged at one point, but you know, we'd, but we'd love more ratings and reviews. So we, we got back up to 10. And the person who sabotaged us was the one you were thinking of having on this show. I think uh, that- Yeah, we might still do that. But So we got a review by somebody called Mr. Cedarville. So mm. who do you think that might be? Dick Walker. No. It could be our friend that we were talking about. But it could be somebody else. And he said, Listen today for the first time. The show is outstanding! Exclamation point. Wow. So there you go. There's our first written review on the uh, Apple Podcast. And you don't app. know who it was? Oh, I have suspicions. Thank you, Mr. Cedarville. Yes, thank you, Mr. Cedarville. Whoever you are, if you absolutely, if you actually listen again, thank you very much. <laughs> so you know, we'd love for you to leave a review. We'll read it on the next show, just like we did that. If you're not subscribing, get with it. If you really like us, again, go to siteonpodbee.com, become a patron to help us with our equipment fund that will make this show better than it already is. We could get and like high-def cameras do, yeah. to zoom in on our faces. Yeah. Well, ooh, would that make us better? Uh, let's not do that. Let's not do that? Okay. All right. So you can do it like a buck a month, you know? <laughs> That's all. That's all we ask. Just a little love. Anyway. So this team... Last time we gathered, had a chance to get together, was before opening day. And we've sort of had two seasons since then, in a way, right? Yes. One and eight. Now we're 11 and 14 after a 10 and six run. And we're, we're recording this on Saturday, April, what's today? 26th? 27th. 27th. Just afternoon. Yeah, yeah before the 215 game today in St. Louis. So they are 11 and 14, 10 and six since that start. They've won six of eight. So, why is this turnaround? What's happened? Why, are, why all of a sudden are we, like, winning games? Bats have broken up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think we mentioned last night that they've scored, like, four runs or, or more. They have one game where they only scored one. But in the last five games, they've been averaging four runs. Yeah. So, I think you average four runs, you should win most of your games. Well, especially with the pitching that we've had. That's right. Last year, four runs wouldn't have cut it. Last couple years, four yeah. runs wouldn't have cut it. But this year, it does. And schedule, I think, has not been kind to the Reds so far. July will be the first month where they have more road, home games than road games. Yeah, the announcers have been talking about that. In the good side of things, that means the second half of the season will be better. Will be kinder be, right? to us. Yeah, they're getting. We've had we've had two West Coast trips out of the way, or one. They go to Oakland and San Francisco next week. They have a little two game shoot out to LA to play the Angels for two games in late June. Uh, they do have a Seattle Arizona trip in September. Um but in September it's an even schedule, thirteen home, thirteen away. So, you know, um should be evening up and they're you know, they're playing good they're playing some pretty good ball right now. So um what were your Kim when when it was one and eight, as that was happening, what were your uh feelings? Did you feel like, oh this is just early, let's not worry about it? Or you did you feel like this team is we're, we're headed definitely for another bad season? You I think? would not say the latter. I, I wasn't that wasn't my emotional 
uh, response. Um, there was a like, ugh, this is tough, one and eight. And it's easy to say, here we go again. And if I would have said that, it wasn't again repeating that I think we'd have what we had last year, in part because the starting pitching has been so strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the defense has been a little shaky. Now, the past two nights, guys have shown up with gloves mm-hmm. and, and actually good, had some good some plays, good plays yeah. in the outfield and the infield. Uh, the relief pitching is improving. That's hurt us a little bit. But even taking out last night and taking out the one game against Miami, which our run differential was really positive now because of those two games. Yeah, those two games are 26-1. to one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. And I sit there and look, okay, our hitting is still not where we need to be by any means. I, I texted you all last night when Puig finally broke the Mendoza line. Mm-hmm. So you look at the box score and you see our top four guys are now. You know, I think I think uh, Peraza was the highest at around 253 or something. I just looked it up. Our our highest is Suarez at 241. Okay. As far and, as everyday guy, guys who yeah. qualify. And we do not have a hitter in the top 50 in the National League. Right. So, you know, hitting is has been, you know, I, my magic number was 270 for Shebs. If he could get to 170, we kind of be happy <laughs> he's right like now. And you feel bad for him because he loves the game, yeah. and he's you just think he's a great teammate. Mm-hmm. But right now, guys who we are counting on to be really strong hitters aren't there yet. Hopefully, they will. And also went my went into my thinking. Not Sinzel so much because we didn't have him yet. We haven't had him yet. But Scooter, I did not realize we would miss Scooter that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, his not only his productivity, but I think his presence uh, is. He's something. a little fiery, isn't he? He's, mm-hmm. Well, he's he may he plays be plays with passion, yeah. But it's it's like if he's there, there's a presence about him, a leadership presence that you have with Vado. But Vado doesn't say much. But I think Scooter does talk a I little. I think more. he does too. You know, I'm seeing Winker is taking Winker on. Winker seems to be, doesn't he? Taking our role, he's very comfortable and. Very balanced. The other night when they pinch hit for him, you saw him, and Jeff, I think you tweeted or texted this. You could tell he was upset, but he went out there, and when um, Irving Irving drew the walk, he was pointing at him and and cheering him on. So that encourages me, things we haven't had in the past. So uh, just my, my thinking, Jeff, to close it up was, let's just get through this. Yeah. Well, I think you make a point about vocal leadership because I don't, I think... You know, you hear people talk about, well, he leads by example. Well, that only goes so far. You got to have, you got to have vocal leaders. You got to have guys who, when they talk, everybody pays attention. And Joey probably has that a little bit, but it's not enough. And I think on a baseball team with twenty-five guys, you need more than one guy. Can I say this? You want someone to galvanize the team, right? Yeah. Yasel Puig is one that we talked about last year during the offseason. Like, eh, we, you remember Jim, eh, we really don't want him. But did he or did he not galvanize his team at so. Pittsburgh? I think so, yeah. I think his, it's possible. Him, him a beautiful painting, a beautiful renaissance, you know. <laughs> did, you see the, did you see the shirt? Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, the shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did he not galvanize And it's that possible. is him being, quote, unquote, vocal. So it could I'm be. agreeing with you, it could be. We, we talked about that 90 team, how fiery they yep. were. Right and <laughs> yeah. and how that uh, competitiveness you need that to win, so yeah. you know maybe Preet's bringing a little bit of that. Problem is we've talked about before he can be there one day and gone the next. 
as far as his yeah he he, he didn't look happy when Shebler took a fly ball away from him last night but you know <laughs> he'll get over that hopefully he okay, did, he homered after that so now he'll now he feels better okay speaking and he of him, homered all right that was a bomb everyone did right yeah that was a bomb yeah speaking of hitting who do who do you think I'm, I'm trying to lead you who do you think is last in the National League in hitting in, as far as a team well probably the Reds. You would think the Reds, but maybe not anymore. The Marvins are the bottom. The Mar- Marlins, are, the Mar- Mar- sorry, the Marlins are on the bottom. Yeah, um, well, they're bad. But the Reds are not in the bottom four. But the pitching stats, you look at that, and the top yeah. five are right. so many. I got some numbers here. You, you got a couple. I got. I'm just going to say I, the Reds I got are some interesting stuff. Eleventh out of fifteen in the league in, in hitting in batting average. It's just this what is are they, overall. What are they batting right now? Two oh eight. That's what I had. Two oh eight. I wonder so what they were below before them? last night. San Diego, Tom. San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and Miami. What were they? Where were they ranked before last night? Miami's batting one eighty six. I don't know. They got up over two hundred a few few days ago, a couple days ago, I think. Well, even the win the other night, they only had five hits yeah. against the Braves, right? Yeah. So they they're eleven and fourteen. The interesting thing about the National League that's still. There's only one team with a worse record than the Reds in the National League still, that. which is the Marlins, and they're tied with maybe the Giants or somebody at 11 and 14 because the National League. But if they were in the American League, there's like six teams worse yeah, than the them. Red Sox are worse. So the, the National League, everybody, there's a lot of everybody in that range of 500 within three three games of 500 both ways. So it's it's an interesting a lot of parity in the National League right now, I guess as you could say. So their team. Here's some offensive numbers as a team for you. Their slash line, 208, 280 on base, and 388 slugging. Wow. And their war as a team is negative .2. Oh, my. How in the world are they 11 and 14 with those numbers, right? Well, we know the answer to that, and that's pitching, which is... Number one, the number one league. national league is Luis Castillo. One point what? Two, two, three, two, three. Yeah, and their overall ERA is three point one five. Right, as a team wow. which is number one, three point one five. So here, and I broke it down by starters and relievers. Here, I, I looked this up on fan, oh, that's cool. fan graphs. So starters, starting ERA is three oh one. They're only giving up point eight home runs per nine innings, and we know last year I'd have to look back, but I think it was like closer to one point five. It was ridiculously high. Uh, their strikeout rate is 26.9, so more than one out of four guys coming up to the plate are striking out, and that helps. They have a 3.3 war as a starting staff already in 134 innings. Last year, the whole season, over 800 innings of starters, their war was 5.7. We don't even have They're all already our... halfway to that, and it's still April. We don't have all of our starters. Would, yeah. yeah, yeah, but Molly's been... Yeah, solid. More than a more than an acceptable fill-in so far. Relief core is three thirty-six point seven four home runs per nine innings. So we're not giving up home runs. You keep the ball in the park makes a huge difference. Maybe it helps. Right? We haven't been a great American very much. Well, it could be twenty-three point six K rate. They have a one point one WAR in eighty-five innings, and last year their WAR was two point six. So what a difference. We're so far ahead of schedule of last year. When you look at when you we, look at that war number, that's an interesting that's an interesting thing. We to look would not at. even have dreamed that the pitching would have been this good and the hitting this bad. This bad. Would, I mean, would you? None no. of us would have even. That's that's the unpredictability nature of sports and baseball, especially. You, you don't. I mean, you know, 
you know certain guys in basketball are going to average have certain scoring averages, right? You know guys are going to get their you know the good rebounders are going to get their double double rebounds, you know, their double figure rebounds a lot. You know certain guys are going to throw for 3000 yards. But you don't know if Joey Votto is going to hit 300. You don't know if points. It felt like we did. Yeah, you, you know, you, it's unpredictable. Uh, you don't know. If, I mean, who saw? What was one of the things we talked about in the off season? The guys last year who really stepped up and made us take notice. And it's like, well, we're going to get a good year out of that guy, Peraza, and he's been terrible. Yeah, he's had a few things a here and there. He had night. a bomb last night. He had a big double the other night. You know, he's not hot yet, but he did have two hits. Is maybe, yeah, showing some signs of maybe he's going to snap out of this. Um, you know, and it'd be great. It'd be great when Scooter comes back to say, "Wow, we got Iglesias, who's really good with the glove, and he's still hitting. He's still hitting decently. Uh, Peraza's gotten hot. Now we got to get Scooter in the lineup. What are we going to do? You know." Great problems. Uh, what, what are we What up. are we going to do in a week to ten days when they you know they're going to bring him up, especially especially with the way Shebler's been hitting? Who's going down? Are they going to send Shebler down? Are they going to send Irvin down? You know, they probably well, send Irvin down. That. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. I was going to ask that. How long can we go with our hitters being so bad? Oh, it I mean, can't last much longer. Eventually, you have to. Well, can't last. But eventually, you have to make a move. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't. I mean, it gets into May well, and June. Well, I think, I think the, I think, um, with what I just said, I think with Shebler struggling like he has, and Sinzel being groomed to play center field, I think that's going to happen. I mean, is Sinzel back I, playing yet? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he good. started playing Tuesday. Good. Uh, had a couple of hits. Ran down. A, I saw a highlight of running down a ball in deep center field. Also, you know. Someone even tweeted the other night, he grounded out the third, and his uh, speed to first was like 4.1. So they said, the comment being, if you were worried about his ankle, don't be. Yeah, because that's good. that's a good time to first. So, And so, Josh yeah. Van Meter, right? Is it Josh Van Meter? Van Meter has been hitting the ball really well. Right. Well, the thing is, is if you're – no matter how much we like Shebs and, and even Winker out there – Eventually, if they're hitting two hundred, you gotta you gotta do something. I mean, a minor yeah. leaguer is gonna have a shot at doing better than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no matter what we you've said, well, since they hadn't proven anything at the major leagues, I bet he can hit one forty. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, he's gonna get his shot. It's gonna happen soon. Look at all the three, three look three guys came up yesterday. Three of the top prospects in major league baseball. Guerrero, mm-hmm. um, who had a great start. Key Boom. Who, who's the guy for Spencer, the Nationals? Spencer Key Boom, or I don't know how you say his last name. It's an interesting name. And there was another guy that got called up somewhere too. Somebody, somebody tweeted. I saw a tweet. Uh, is Senzel the number one prospect in minor in the minor leagues now? Might be because <laughs> he was like what four or five on the list overall, maybe six, something like that. So all of a sudden, these guys getting called up there in front of him, he keeps getting higher on the list. So could we say that the in terms of pitching, really the key has been the maturation results of Molly and Castillo? Because remember when we picked up. Wood, who no results yet, Roark, and Sonny Gray. Um, Sonny Gray, we were all saying we got number threes at best, and we kind of were like, we need a number Dallas one. Dallas Keuchel, do you go out and spend the money? And look what this starting staff has done. Roark 
Roark's a mystery man. How that guy can struggle through five, six innings and give up one run and labors through every... The other night, they're talking about him. If you look at him, his cap, the perspiration on his cap was almost towards the crowd. And it was only in the third inning. And it's not even July. This guy just battles, and he gets somehow or another, he's, his yeah. ERA is very respectable. 3.2. Yeah. So and I that's just look who at he is. It. That's who he his, is. Castillo, obviously, 1.23. And the other night... Started out and he was all around the plate, twenty around twenty pitches in the first thing. He's like, eh. and as the game wore on, he improved. And it's like you're that watching this guy evolve and maturing right yeah. for your eyes. Yeah. He's a veteran. Molly's taking a s- slight, if you would, shuffle back from where he was the first two or three starts. But overall, how could you? He's still really young. He's still consistent. Love he's Molly. still he's, he, You're still you're seeing some consistency established. You know, nobody's going to go out. And shut people out for six innings every time they start. Nobody's going to hold everybody to one run every time they start, unless your name's Luis Castillo. Then you tend to do that. But otherwise, you know, it's like last night. They're up four to one nothing. Bullpen gives up a run. You know, well, you know, bullpens give up runs. They're allowed to do that once in a while. I mean, it happens, right? But they didn't give up the big inning. You know, That's they what I was afraid of. That they didn't implosion. give up the big inning. They didn't just sort of all of a sudden it's a four to three game. Of course, the way they finished the game, it wouldn't have mattered. But <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, there, there's there's consistency there. There's well, not perfection, but there's consistency. The, I, I think the biggest acquisition was Johnson, the pitching coach, overall. Could be. Because talking about Molly, last year, one thing Molly did that surprised us all at the major league level, which he had not done in the minors, was issue base on balls. And this year, his walks have got to be down. And and then lastly, I have to say, Robert Stevenson has just How about that? been lights out. He has. So yeah. what do you, how do you guys feel about Bell's managing techniques right. with the way he's shuffling right. lineups around? Let me, let, let me give a let me give a shout out to a guy here. You, you nice segue. So one of our Twitter followers, Dalton, his, who is uh, at Daily Dalton, he says, "What grade Bell? What would you grade Bell so far in this season?" So, Tom. Since you brought it up, what grade would you give him as a manager at this point? So, surprisingly, I would give him an A- minus because uh, I feel like he's doing everything he can. Remember how he got himself thrown out, what, three times already? Twice. Twice? Okay. Um, And, you know, Jeff, you're more than I am, but I'm kind of an analytics guy, so I like the idea of him shuffling the lineup according to what the stats say because over a course of 162 games, it works. You're going to have isolated nights that doesn't work. But exactly. statistics are statistics, and over 162, they're going to work. So I give him a good grade so far. Yeah, we've seen Casali bat a leadoff one night. How about he's that? Got, was crazy. He's got Votto batting leadoff. Uh, he had Winker at the top. He's put Winker more as the three and now. Winker's been down to seven. And Winker's batted seven. Exactly. He's been pinch hit for. He's been on the bench a couple nights in a row once. And another um, reason I give it a good grade is because this shuffling around could get players really frustrated and uncomfortable, right? But I don't see that. Well, also, it gives you. the guys who don't normally play, it keeps them involved. Yeah. It keeps them fresh. Well, keeps them ready. And and, and it you know, you've got the depth to do it. Yep. You know, because they went out and signed Iglesias and Dietrich. And, and Dietrich's, I don't even think Dietrich's batting 200, but he's had a bunch of huge hits, right? Yeah. He, um, um, he's been good. Farmers had two or three home. He's got like three homers. He and then one of them was a pretty big one, as I recall. And Casali um, gets key hits coming off the bench. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and so what you know, you go eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, and all of a sudden, oh, there's J- Jesse Winker pitch hitting, or there's uh, you know, and Kemp hasn't been good, and he's hurt now, but still, you got a Matt Kemp or somebody coming in to pinch hit versus some guy who's just fine, some guy who just yeah, some, yeah, some guy who's just a, a triple A guy who's getting his shot finally because we don't have we need a guy up, up here. About Alex Blandino, then Blandino is <laughs> is out, you know, so. Kim, what grade do you give Bell? I'd say a B plus. Um, I, you know, I, being the analytics guy that he is, you do sit there and you look at Casali leading off, and and I, I don't. I read that David Bell. First of all, I think he I think he relates well with players, a team, and I think he relates well with men, adult men, these players. He texts them the lineup the day before the game, so you're ready. You don't come to the ballpark wondering. And when they, when he texted and Casali saw that he was leading off, yeah. he texted him back and said, are, "Are you sure you got this right? <laughs> Is this a typo?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, communicating things that you don't normally see on the field, like that texting ahead of time, keeping guys ready, keeping guys fresh. I think he gets an A for that automatically. Uh, I am a little confused sometimes when he pinches pinch hits guys and this and that, but you know what? As Dr. Don Callen says, no one knows the team better than the coach or the manager. Doesn't mean they make the right moves, but no one knows the team better than the coach. And you, you leave it to Bell, he, he makes moves, pitching. What was one night? Then we have two relief pitchers to throw one pitch each to a different batter or something like that. Well, Garrett came in one night in the middle of an inning, got like the second out on one pitch, and he took him out. Right. But you can't argue with one and eight start is tough. And I hate to use cold weather, but that's tough to play in. But the argument is, well, the other team played in it too. But one and eight start, but now we're at 11-14. I think David Bell's staying steady. He's staying the course. And we really need, uh, we really need someone like that yeah. at the helm. Jeff, before you go, did you hear the announcers talking last night about how before every game they have routines now, where they have a hitters and hitters analytic meeting, and a pitchers analytic meeting before every game? Scouting report stuff. So, do you think they've had that in the past? Not as much. I knew. I mean, I know that. I know that. Um, Pitchers meetings are pretty common. I mean, when I've I was talking to um, the Dragons pitching coach last year a lot because I was covering a lot of games there, and Hunter Green was pitching a lot, and I taught Seth Etherton is the who pitched a long time ago for a little bit for the Reds, um, and he's the pitching coach, and uh, so sort of through all those interviews, I began to hear about how they their meetings that they have and it's not just the guy that's starting that night I think it's all the pitch you know a lot of the starters will be in there together or whoever's gonna maybe you know if there's a guy who's not gonna pitch that night because he's pitched three nights in a row maybe he's not in that meeting but I think they pretty much three or four game series so they might as well I think they pretty much meet um at the start of a series to talk about the hitters that that team has I think they do it pretty much on a daily thing. Certainly, the guy starting that night is in the, is is there talking and they're they're looking those things over. Now, how much they do this with the batters, I don't know. I haven't asked that question at that level. But I know last year in Single A, they were doing these kind of pitcher meetings, and they've probably been doing them. And I don't think that's an unusual thing. Every team gets together and talks and game plans before. 
games in other sports, but of course baseball happens every day, so you have to have a meeting every day if you're going to do that. So. I, I just got a feeling it was more than, than... Yeah, I think they're doing more than they ever I, did. I, that was my point, yeah. It's, it's ramped up. There's no doubt about that. There's what no, do you think, Jeff, about Bill? Um, I think I, I'm, I'm on that A- minus line, I think. Um, <clears throat> I think, um, you know, I thought overall... I'm um, like some of the stuff that Kim said. You, you, you scratch your head once in a while on a move, but but like you say, Tom, um, not everything works every night. But if you consistently do the things you think will work, you're going to come out ahead. Um, you know, you at the end of a basketball game, you need a shot. You give the ball to your best player. Nobody would argue with that. He doesn't always make that shot, right? Um, you run your best two-point play when you need a two-point conversion. You don't always score, but nobody's going to say, "Well, that was your best play." You think that's your best play? Let's play with your it best just players. Didn't, it just didn't happen. What can you say? You know. And so I think you do the same. You have to do the same thing in baseball. And so I think there's some of that stuff of like, you know, there's been times I'm like, I don't get that lineup. You know, there's a right-handers pitching and Winker sitting on the bench and Kemp's playing. But that was early on. I don't think I don't think he would do that now. The way either. the way Kemp is hitting and and Winker has shown some power. Uh, his average still isn't where you want it, but he is striking the ball pretty well. Um, I think he's had some some bad luck. Um, you know, the other night somebody was pitching, um, and Freddie Freeman was coming up. And Freeman is a left-handed hitter, correct? Mm-hmm. And we had a right-hander in, and it's escaping me who it was. It might have been Lorenzen, and he had and there was a guy on base. Um, he had gotten a couple outs, and if it's not Lorenzen, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think it was. And he was pitching well, and he went to a left-hander. And I thought, you know, when Freddie Freeman's at the plate, I'm going to a left-hander. Mm-hmm. If it was the eighth-place hitter, who's bat, who, who's not a big hitter, and my right-hander's dealing, I'd probably leave him in. But when it's Freddie Freeman, mm-hmm. I. I, I see that move, you know, and I think that you have to – It's baseball is so situational. So that's what I'm kind of trying to do, watch more of is what's he doing? Think about the entirety of the situation. You know, we tend to think, oh, he's pitching well, leave him in. Yeah, but think about the situation. Who's the guy at the plate? I don't care if Freddie Freeman's 0 for 10 against Lorenzen in his career. He's a really good hitter. Yeah. And why not take – why not bring a, an Amir Garrett in – you know, now you don't take out Iglesias in the bottom of the ninth for, for that situation, but in those situations, so I, I go. I think he's he stood up for his players in a couple instances. Um, a couple other times, he's come out to um, talk to the umpire when the when the batter doesn't isn't happy with the strike ball strike calls. I heard that on the radio a couple nights ago. I was driving and I heard. Bell went out, and I'm like, don't get yourself Which tossed. Just last night, Winker struck out, and he was arguing about the, the called third strike. And and up was coming back out. David Bell ran out. Yeah, yeah okay, Winker back exactly. Away. It was, you know, and so he's, he seems like he is, like, completely in tune with every, and I'm not saying Riggleman or any other manager isn't following and paying attention to what's going on. But he, I don't think he's a, Overmanaging, I think maybe on cases in certain spots he's maybe overmanaged a little bit, but I don't think, and I think that's a, a guy learning how to do that. And he's managed before, just never at the major league level. So he's he's figuring it out. And what do you do when you're a manager and your whole team can't hit? <laughs> I mean, that's not your fault. 
when everybody's nobody can hit 200 right. and you're not scoring any runs that's not your fault i mean what, what you can only do so much with a lineup guys have to start hitting right. um there's been talk about is it turner ward's fault is he telling them to hit swing at more first pitches and all those things so that goes into you know <laughs> we were talking about um oh let's go back well we'll come back to this we got another question from dalton and we'll come back to that but this sort of segues into this so we we're joking around on texting the other night and john our buddy john says he had his uh baseball theory of relative exit velocity <laughs> <laughs> so he said the speed of the contact to pitch off the bat is indirectly proportional to the strikeout to walk ratio the research in the helmstein laboratories which is helmstein excuse me as in einstein john helmick the Helmstein Laboratories has shown that the free swingers, although they may have a harder swing, make solid contact with much lower percentage than do batters who know what to swing at and swing with a purpose. The first postulate of relative theory of exit velocity thus states, swinging with a purpose yields higher exit velocity. <laughs> and I said, well, that sort of correlates with the idea that oh, there's been a whole bunch of stats out there up until, I don't know, this was about, this was four or five days ago, showing how the Reds are, uh, if you look at, down their lineup, everybody's swing percentage is in terms of the number of pitches they swing at is up anywhere from like five to ten percent over a year ago. Mm-hmm. So has has turned rewards say be aggressive and have they taken that too far? They're pressing. And they're pressing. And that's the other word I've heard. They're pressing, 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 trying too hard to make things happen because the first three or four days didn't go very well uh, of the season. And so that sort of fits in with sort of his thing. It's like, yeah, if you if you swing at the right pitches, you're going to hit the ball harder because mm-hmm. you're going to make contact on some pitches you shouldn't swing at. What are you going to do? And the Reds got you're going to roll them over. You're going to roll them over into ground balls and double plays and pop mm-hmm. them up, right? Reds, what'd you say? So they got good at that last year. And Peraza really became very selective up there, like Joey. Yeah. And yeah. I think yeah. Joey kind of his his uh, approach was contagious on that team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think so. That's, that was an interesting. Uh, the way he put that, and I just thought that was kind of fun. Um, John John's layman's baseball theory of relative exit exit, exit velocity, and somebody texted a picture of uh, Albert Einstein. Was that you, Kim? That was kind of a gif of that. It was fun. So uh, that's a little inside, a little insight inside <laughs> to the inner workings of the three old Reds fans when we're sitting <laughs> on our couches with nothing to do but watch the game. Inner workings. Yes, it's a scary place to be. All right, Dalton's other question for us is, what is everybody's favorite red this year so far to watch as far as entertainment value? So. For me, it ain't a hitter because there ain't been much hitting going on. No. Uh, Puig's a little bit entertaining with a lot of stuff, but not – not he, he does. He doesn't. He doesn't go to the top of the list. For me, it's got to be Castillo and watching that changeup yeah. just completely mm-hmm. fall that's, off the table. That, that's mine. That's mine too. What about you? My pitcher is Bob Steve. That slider is just incredible. So you get excited when he comes in the game, just based on where he was last year and the yeah. year before, and yeah. what we're seeing this year. Yeah, and I will have an offensive player, uh, uh, Iglesias. Yeah, I just. From what he can do in the field, so slick, so smooth. The plays he made, a couple of plays he made last night, and then you know he's a career two seventy hitter. Yeah, he's not. He's only twenty nine, and he came to the Reds. And so when he comes in, I'm looking at Peraza, who played so well last year in the second half of the year, thinking he's going to keep going. 
And you got to sit there and say, okay, if I'm not playing well, this guy, Iglesias, I'm going to be the guy who plays two times a week instead of five times a week. Raises everybody's level, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a sense of urgency, and Mr. Bench will get you motivated. Yes, he will. He will. And we ain't talking Johnny. Yeah, I'm with Ke- – I, I, I like him. He's been fun to watch in the field. Um, but Castillo, you know, you've, you've probably seen the numbers where um, – he struck out more people with his changeup than anybody else has struck anybody else out with with their best pitch in baseball this year, and it's just amazing. You know, every hitter in the world when you when they got two strikes on them, they know it's coming. You know it's coming, but you can't hit it. I mean, that's that's amazing to me that you can be that you can have a pitch that that's that's that good that everybody knows you're going to throw it, and nobody and they miss it badly. And he works so quickly. Yeah. He and Molly both, they work so quickly. Well, you know, the other night I had some place to be and couldn't really watch, and he pitched. And that was like, that, that was, that's why it made me easy to answer this question to that, because I was like, oh, man, if I could trade nights with something, because Castillo's pitching tonight. I really want to see mm. Castillo pitch tonight. So that, when I thought that and I saw this question, that's, that's what cinched that for me, because I was like, I was bummed because I wasn't going to get to see him pitch. And he pitched well. I mean, gives up eight hits in six innings and doesn't give up any runs. Now, he's got David Hernandez to thank for that because he came in and struck out the side with the bases loaded. Um, somebody wrote a lead. I think it was like Mark Sheldon, I think, for MLB.com. His story was – was a um, lead on his story was uh, – or it might have been the guy from the Inquirer. I, I can't remember now. Was uh, Luis Castillo got got the win, but David Hernandez won the game. And and so <laughs> he did because that inning could have gone all kinds of bad against a good hitting team. Yes. So that's what's interesting too. You know, yeah, we shut down the Marlins. You know, gave them one run in three games. Uh, we took care of the Padres this week, and then we're facing the Braves and the Cardinals, two of the most feared lineups in the league, without a doubt. And you win two out of three, and you hold them to one last night. Now we don't know what's going to happen today and tomorrow. They could lose both those games. Don't say that. But. Well, it's true. They, I don't think they will. I think they win. I think I think they get two or three at least. I think they find a way to get one of these next Cardinals two games. Cardinals have been tough for us for years. It'd be yeah. nice to this year. Yeah, would get be. their number. Would be so. Um, so here we are. What eleven fourteen? What's that? Twenty five games into the mm-hmm. season, and we hear we hear we hear the word sample size all the time, right? So my sample size theory is this. How we buy in on a one small on a small sample size tends to be affected by how much we like the player. Does that make sense? So, when a guy's not hitting well, if we're not really into him, we we really send him down, send him down, kick him out, release him, put him Trade on the bench. Him. But when it's a guy we really like. Give him more time. Give him more. Give him, it's a small sample size, guys. But when it's <laughs> and when it's a when it's a pitch, same with pitchers. You know, well, okay, he had a bad night. He had a bad night. But if we don't really like him that much, and we're not sold on him, then we, you know. So anyway, that's my that's my sample size theory. What do you think of that theory? I think it's right on. I think it's right on. Mm-hmm. So who? So. Is there a guy that fits that mold for us or most Reds fans as a guy who, even though it's a small sample size, we're like, get rid of him? Who's, who's, the, who's the obvious example of that this year? 
I know what Twitter's going to say. What? Shebs. Shebs? Yeah. And before he got hurt, Kemp. I think Kemp was in that boat, too. You think? I, I think Kemp would be just because when when we picked him up, you and we talked about this during the offseason, is we would not be surprised to see him be traded. Exactly. And yeah, so I think that goes healthy. into it with Kemp. Yeah. And I think they didn't because they knew they weren't going to keep Sinzel up. I think that's I think that's possibly a that's just my speculation. I say if Kent, I would say if Sinzel wouldn't have gotten hurt, he'd be up by now. He would be. Yeah, I think he would be. I think they would have brought him up by now because of because they've because the offense has been and so he, yeah. so porous. So um, so I think that that is true, and I think. The other side, we had anybody really tearing up the ball, so it's hard to say. <laughs> There's a guy yeah, well, we're all say? fired up about hitting the ball. Uh, I mean, we are we are we are happy about um, Jose Iglesias still because he's. I mean, the glove is not going away. We that, that's we know that he's 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 hit well enough and probably better than some expected, but um, it's too early to get. Honestly, it's really too early to get excited and say he's going to hit 270 all year because he might not. But he might. But he played eight. He's played what eight years before this season, and he's hit 270. So I, I, I think you know pretty much what you have with him. Yeah. Okay. So his career batting average is exactly. Is it exactly 270? I think so. Um, you're right. Going in it is exactly 270. He's hitting 284 this year. 284. Peraza hit 270 last year. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he hit well over that. Yeah, His, he did very well. Not though, you know, the on base percentage wasn't anything tremendous. It was right about average. It was right about year. average. Yeah, because he still doesn't walk much. He t- he got his first walk like this week. Well, that was the. Uh, Probably eleven forty-five at night, right? Yeah, when you guys were in bed, and I was up working, doing some stuff, and watching. So, anyway, um, so that's some just some other stuff. Okay, so favorite red to watch, Castillo. Who did you pick? Bob I, Steve. I said, like, you Bob said Bob Steve, Steve, Steve and, Iglesias. and Iglesias. I had a pitcher and a position. And a pitcher and a position player. And if I had to pick a position player right now, it's probably Puig because I want to see him. Do stuff. I, I'm when he when he comes to bat, I'm paying more attention because I'm expecting him to go crazy at some point and have a big hot streak. I think that's probably why I would I, say that. Defensively, yeah. it's Iglesias, but pitching, it's for me, it's Castillo. I mean, it's just so much we, fun to watch. I I get more jacked when the ball's in right field and he's picking it up, <laughs> and there's a chance a guy could be rounding a base. Yeah, I, I that arm is just phenomenal. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. He's yeah. He's got style out there. There's no doubt about that. So you know, at some point we all might be like, I can't take this guy anymore. But at this point, <laughs> we're, that's the way we are. You know, the Dodger fans loved him. He got a great greeting when he went out there. Of course, then he hit that home run off Kershaw in his first at bat, which was incredible, Epic. which was incredible theater. But the fans loved him. The team got a little tired of him. So okay, all right. This is episode 39. Reds who've worn number 39. Mezzarocco. Devin Mezzarocco. Did, uh, what's his name, the pitcher, Harang? Aaron Harang. Yeah. Anybody else? Hmm. I can't think of anybody. All right. So, Pedro Martinez in 1996... 
Not that Pedro Martinez. It's a different one. Pedro. You know, not that one. Some guy, Pedro Martinez, who uh, pitched in the major leagues for uh, from 1993 to through 1997, and made um, uh, pitched in 122 games, made one start. His name was Pedro Martinez. He's from the Dominican. I'm glad we're picking people that are like and, well known. And he wore number 39. I just wanted to throw that out there. See, I wanted to get you. I was hoping you guys would be like, what? I don't remember him playing for the Reds. Well, that's right, because he never did. Not the Pedro Martinez. The Cobra. Oh, oh yeah. man. How, How can we forget that? Dave Parker. Uh, All right. A member of the Reds' Big Red Machine bullpen. Bullpen? Yeah. Well, McEnany, Raleigh Eastwick. Raleigh Eastwick. And... A guy who played for the Reds. I thought you had a... No, no. A guy who played for the Reds that you heard more than you ever... You probably never saw him pitch, but you heard him a lot. Joe Nuxall. Joe Nuxall was number 39. For like eight years, I think I saw. Huh. He, he wore that number. He was 39? That's what it said. Now, was he always 39? I he was 45. Well, let's look and but see. I do not remember. That's so If I ago. call him up, it will tell... He only wore that number in 1974. So he wore, also wore number 49. So he wore 39 in 74. He wore um, 49 from 74 to 77, which is what you remember. And then he went to the Cardinals. He pitched for the Yankees. He pitched for the Phillies. Wow. Pitched for the Royals and finally the Cubs in 81. So well, he bounced around after that. But, yeah, so 49 is probably the number you would remember. But he wore number 39 for one season. His career ERAs. 331. For a reliever. Pretty good. Pretty good for a career. Yeah, it's hard. ERA is kind of a tough stat to really measure a reliever on during a season because, you know, one bad outing can – Right. You know, you can have 12 great outings and one really bad one and – it really inflates, but over a long career, it's it's a little more helpful number. But um, so yeah, there you go. And he didn't exceed his rookie limits until '75. So in '74, he really wouldn't. Have, it was probably a late season call up or something. Um, he only pitched in uh, eight games, so it was probably late season. Next year, he wore the number 49, and he was third in the rookie of the year voting. So he was actually fifth in the Cy Young Award voting in 1976. And 13th in the MVP vote. He had 26 saves, which was a lot of saves at that time. And he threw over 100 innings. So With, with people having complete games. With a two, yeah, with a 209 ERA, 107 innings, and 26 saves, which was – that's about as good as it got back then. So, yeah, he was good. Good. So, what do you think the next uh, month holds? It might Because I'm going to be out of town here for a couple weeks and – uh, then we're going to, it's going to be close to June, if not the first part of June before we have a chance to do this again. So what do you, where, where are we going to be? Are we going to be over 500 the next time we talk? I don't know if we'll be over 500. I think we'll be right about at 500. So right now we're almost there. We're three under. Which means if we're at 500 a month from now, we've had a good month, right? Three games over. Pretty yeah. good. Not great, but yeah, but serviceable. What do you think? You think we'll be over 500? Who? What's our schedule look like? Oh. We're still away, right? I mean, you got to go to the schedule. Well, you, 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 said got, you got to go to the schedule. Can't, you don't just believe they're going to be great. I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding. You. I can tell you. I had it right I don't here. Don't want to be home games in Mexico again. No. Well, we won one of those. 
Okay, so in May, let's see, where are we here? So right now we're in St. Louis, and we're going to, the, and then we're going to go play four games in, against the Mets. Going to City Field. Okay. Yep. And then I we guess get. We luck out because uh, isn't Degrom hurt or Thor hurt? One of those. Well, two? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Then we come home for four games against the Giants. Those okay. are winnable. Mm-hmm. Then we go to Oakland and San Francisco for a pair of uh, okay. three-game series. Then we come home and play the Cubs and the Dodgers. Then we have an off day. Um, this is a weird week. They play, they're play. they off on Monday the 20th, and they go to Milwaukee for two games. Then they're off on the 23rd on Thursday. Then they go to Chicago for three. And then they come home, and they doubleheader with Pittsburgh because they got to make up that game. So yeah. it's a four-game set with Pittsburgh. And then in June yet? No. May thirty first, we have we start a home series that goes over the weekend with the with the Nats. So between now and May sec and June second, it's Mets. Well, finishing with the Cardinals, Mets, Giants twice, home and away, Oakland at Oakland, Cubs and Dodgers at home. We go to Milwaukee, then we go to the Cubs, then we got the Pirates at home, then we get the Nationals. At least the at least the Brewers are only two games. Yeah, and they're not playing that great right now, you know. So, I think that's. I think I think there's a every. I I'm think hoping for at least five hundred to answer your question. Yeah, I think they can be there. Um, heck, if they win the next two days, they'll only be two games out of first. Yeah, because Cardinals are four games <laughs> up crazy. right now. So eleven fourteen. Yeah, well, that's an early season thing, right? If you're eleven and four, if you're three games under in August, you're out of it. But three games under in April, you're fine. So I think uh, um, I'll, I'll go out on the limb. I'll, I think they will be. I think they'll be a shade over, a couple, maybe a couple games over. I think there's I think there's every possibility. Well, I mean, there's possibility everybody gets hot, right? Pre- yeah. The, Joey starts hitting normal. You know, and there's there you go. There's that back to that sample size thing. You know, we're like, oh, the the pitching, the hitting's got to get better. Mm-hmm. Well, the pitching's good, but it's it's only been a month. You could I mean, argue I don't, the pitching has got to get worse. Right. Law, the, of the, law of averages of pitching is probably not, at the end of the season, our starter ERA probably is not going to be 3.01. <laughs> it's probably going to be a little higher. Now, as long as it doesn't implode, you know, we're fine. But if the pitching, if the hitting gets better, the pitching could get a little worse and we're okay. But, um, you know, Castillo probably will not finish the season with a 123 ERA. It'll probably maybe 223, but probably not 123. We take that in a heartbeat. I'd take 223 every every day of the week. So anyway, so anyway, so, all right. So when we get back here, early June, end of May, early June, we will see where they stand, and that'll be interesting to talk about. So, all right. Anything else? Any pressing? Anything else you want to talk about? We don't want to talk about the Bengals in the draft, or the Jets in the draft. This is old Reds fans, not old Bengals fans. <laughs> so, anything? No? All right. Well, let's wrap it up. So, next time we come back, we'll have Sinzel on the wrap. Uh, yes, yes. He, I, yeah. If we don't, it's because of an injury and nothing else. Yes. And if it's not, there'll be... I don't know about that. If it's not... All right, let's say, let's, let's make it a little more interesting. June 1. I say yes, he will be on the roster. Oh yeah, I think he'll be on the roster before that. I think I think he'll be on the roster in about a week. 
Do you really? I was, I was thinking two weeks. I think about a week. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't expect the hitting to get better that quick, so they'll probably have to do something. Yeah, I, 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 that's that's my expectation. I mean, yeah, you, you bring up a good point because, you know, he's been hitting the ball in the rookie league in Arizona for, what, two to three weeks. Yeah. And now they're going to have him play, let's say, six to ten games in Louisville and get him acclimated to an actual game ballpark and everything. I just said two weeks, but I could see it being a week. I think so. So one, if, if everybody if, gets hot, so think think about it. If everybody gets hot, then he won't be right. Yeah, they're not going to get that hot. So this is a way to think about it too. They're going. Um, I, I would. I, here's what I here's what I predict. May fourteenth, when they come home from the West Coast against the Cubs. What do you think? May fourteenth, when they come home against the Cubs. Well, that's more than a week. <laughs> I know, but I'm looking at the sk- travel schedule. Do they fly him out to California to get started? Maybe they do. Maybe they want if they want to start him on the road, they might. Aren't they going to carry I'll, an extra pitcher before that doubleheader? Doubleheader with and Pittsburgh. You know what? And you know what, Jeff? But I would say four, I would say May 14th is is the last, no later than May 14th. But Two prob- ballparks possibly sooner. that are huge. San Fran and Oakland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might want him in center field. There you go. All right. Well, if you listen to the end of this, now you know what's going to happen. <laughs> if you left us, then, you know, too bad for you. So Too bad, so sad. Yes. All right. All right. Well, may the month of May be kind to the Reds. And this has and been... the balance of April. And the balance of April, which is, what, a couple of days, three or four days, I guess. Um, so this has been the three old Reds fans. And now for our exciting finish. One, two, three. Go Reds! Go Reds.